whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey friends, Karen Pennington here. This is one of those days where I start to post and go, nope, I don't like what I said. <laughs> and throw it out and start to post again and go, nope, that's not going well. So this is my third time trying to post to you this morning. Uh, probably because I just want to get it right, because this is going to be my last time um, doing an episode for probably a week or so. I'm getting a little bit of surgery done on Monday. Your prayers are appreciated. I, uh, I'm not worried about it. It'll just take a couple of days to sort of sleep it off and recover from it. Uh, it's not really too big of a deal, but God's got this. You know, but that said, I probably shouldn't be coming out of surgery all doped up and try to say anything intelligible into the camera about the Word of God. I don't want to handle the Word of God while I am under the influence of narcotics to make sure that I'm not in too much pain. So I'll try to, I'll probably wean myself off that within a week and hopefully be back. 10 days or so, but it's interesting this morning, I, I want to talk about a passage that just puzzles me, a couple of passages that just puzzle me, like, like it reminds me of those movies, you see these great movies, and then there's these scenes that don't do anything to help the plot of the movie, they're just disturbing, you know, like those scenes of not just violence, but gratuitous violence. Like, I didn't need to see that much blood. Why, why was that there? Or a scene where people are just randomly vulgar. And it's that doesn't add anything. And, or, um, I, I think of Titanic. I love that movie, Titanic. And then there's one scene in it that is so unnecessary. In fact, the whole scene is talking, the whole movie's talking about this purity of love between these two people. And, then there's the scene that is not pure. <laughs> it's not pure. If you've seen Titanic, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's very, just not necessary, you know. So sometimes I read scripture and, you know, you're going along and I like to be able to go, you know, pull wisdom out of it. And sometimes it's just a hard story. You kind of scratch your head and say, okay, this is talking about heritage. This is talking about this. What on earth is this doing it? Why, why would this be shared? Or why would this person do this? this? It's just disturbing. So I have two passages um, that I want to, they're disturbing. So I'll share them. And I don't know if I have an answer. I have a little bit of a conjecture. Um, sometimes reading the Bible isn't about having to have the answers. It's about journeying into the heart of God. And I'm going, God, where's your heart here? And sometimes we don't have to be quick to say, this is what it means. This is what we have to learn. Sometimes it's just enough to say, Okay, God, this is your word. Sometimes the struggle is where the depth comes. So struggle with me a little today. Actually, I kind of want to pray first. <laughs> Let's pray first. I always pray at the end. Pray first. Lord Jesus, just be with us in this journey into your word, into your heart. And um, may you reveal new insight to us. Maybe not even through me. Through me is great. But whoever's listening, maybe you'll spark something new in them. And um, just maybe so. May you be glorified above all in your name. Amen. Okay, so I'm on Second Kings. I'm starting the first chapter now. We're talking about Elijah, and he had recently taken on apprentice, Elisha. Elisha ended up becoming even more powerful than Elijah. 
because he requested such, and so God granted it to him. Uh, but And they did these amazing, amazing things. Both of them were involved in miracles of oil, that the oil lasted. It was a little bit of oil, and it lasted a long time. Elijah made a widow's oil last so long, and a handful of flour last so long that it fed the three of them for three years. And Elisha had oil that kept, they, it was poured and wouldn't stop pouring this tiny bit of oil until they could tell another um, destitute woman got to pay off her debt. Both of them raised, were, raised people from the dead. I mean, other than Elijah and Elisha, the only other person in scripture we see doing that is Christ. Christ says that, Christ commands us to, so he actually says heal the sick, raise the dead. But the three people that are involved in this resurrection, God's power moving them for resurrection are Elijah, Elisha, and Jesus. Now, Jesus never misused his power. Never. Because he was God. God doesn't misuse power. God's God. You know, God's good. God doesn't mess up. Uh, but there are these horrible passages. I just don't like them. <laughs> the one, but we'll go for it because we're not going to... I don't like ignoring this stuff just because it's disturbing. So Elijah um, I just prophesied against Ahaziah. Ahaziah was a king of, a, King Ahab's son. And he King Ahab was just the worst king of all Israel's history. We've gone through this before. That's not just my assessment. That's what the Bible said. There was no one like him as bad as him in all of Israel's history. And so Ahaziah uh, falls through a roof, tries to figure out what's going to happen to him, but instead of going after God, he goes after Beelzebub, which is now a word we use for Satan, but at the time it was a god of... They saw them as a god that they worshipped of a foreign land, a pagan god. Um, and so he said, Go and consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, and see if I will recover from this injury. That was First Kings 1... Too, but Elisha gets intercepted by God. He intercepts the people and says, um, "This is what the Lord says: Is it because there's no God in Israel? You're sending men to consult Baal's above the God of Ekron. Therefore, you will not leave the bed you're lying in. You will certainly die. So he might have had a chance of living, but since he didn't go after the right God, he pronounced death on himself. So." That's what, and, and so we'll start verse 7. The king asked them, What kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? They replied, He was a man with a garment of hair and with a leather belt around his waist. Now, this is funny. They might have actually, that word garment of hair might have actually meant they were saying, He was a hairy guy. Uh, the message calls him snaggy. <laughs> snaggy guy. So it was a hairy guy with a leather belt. So kind of wild looking. And the king said, Okay, that was Elijah the Tishbite. So now we're on verse 9. Then he sent to Elijah, a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of a hill, and said to him, Man of God, the king says, come down. Elijah answered the captain. Now listen to this. If I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire fell down from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. Say what? Like, this is really disturbing to me, because the captain was not hurting him. His life wasn't in danger. He was just saying, come talk to the king. The king wants to know what you have to say. Why? And then it happens again. At this, the king sent to Elijah another captain and his 50 men. Same thing happened again. 
51 people died. Just call down fire from heaven. Now listen, I get if your life's in danger, this is your... Sometimes people have to die because they're your enemies, because they're coming after you, and God will take another life to spare yours, or, you know, there's a reason for war. None of this was the case. They were peacefully asking for Elijah to come. And he said, no, you're going to die instead. I don't think you can explain this away. I, I don't think you can explain this away. And it's disturbing because we want to say, oh, the Lord told him, the Lord told him. But here's the thing. The king sent a third captain with his 50 men. The third captain went and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all the men. But now have respect for my life. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. Now, there's nowhere saying the angel of the Lord said, kill 102 men who are just asking for you to come. Obviously, if Elijah had the power to call down fire from heaven, he could have done it at any time. So if he was in danger, he could have done it. But here's this guy just peacefully sitting there. 52, 51 men are killed for doing their jobs. That bothers me. I, say, it's, I struggle with it. It bothers me. I, I don't think there's a biblical precedent for saying, you know, he was so anointed by God, he just knew what was going to happen. I think, honestly, he didn't want to go see the king. He didn't like him. <laughs> that was it. He also happened to have an anointing from God, and he had a power. And sometimes God does that for us. He gives us a power, and we're not... He doesn't constrain it to just use it for what I tell you to use. He, he gives us a little bit of freedom to use it. And I think that Elijah misused his freedom. That's that's my conjecture. Somebody can find a really clear way to do it, to go against that. Please do. But I think this is just one of those cases where a good man did a very bad thing. Now let's look at Elisha. This, to me, is almost worse. Maybe not. Now, Elisha is the person who was the um, protege and the successor of Elijah when Elijah was taken up into heaven. Woo! Up into heaven. And so now we're... Um, so Elisha... Elijah was hairy. Evidently, Elisha was bald. Second um, Kings 2, 23 through 25. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some youth came out of the town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head, they said. Go on up, you bald head. <laughs> he turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them from the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youth. That's actually only two verses. Um, 42 of the youth. 51 men who were doing their jobs. You could almost say, okay, at least they were soldiers. Maybe you saw it as war. Um, 42 youth, being youth, maybe being brats, and Elijah called down a curse from heaven. We're not supposed to curse. The curse is, God never, God never ever in scripture says curse someone. You can call forth what God said. You can say, the Lord says, says the Lord, the Lord said this will happen. But you don't ask God to curse people. You know, that, that's never been a something ever in Scripture that you see as something that's condoned. Sometimes people do it. It's never been something 
that God that I see God condone again. Prove me wrong, <laughs> but I don't think that's right. I don't think that's wrong. I think he was just annoyed. I think Elijah had just been taken up in heaven. He didn't want him to go. Um, he was kind of hoping they could find him, even though he knew they wouldn't. Searched for three days, they couldn't find him. I think he's upset. And he was upset, and he... Kids were really annoying him, really getting on his nerves, maybe hurting his feelings. And so, kind of the equivalent of one of us getting really mad and saying, D-A-M-U, you know, I'm not even going to say it out loud, but, you know, blank you. Or go to... I, I, I don't tell anybody to go to hell because that's not what God's heart has. We don't want people to do that. Be saved, you know. <laughs> what, what would happen if somebody made us really mad and we knew they didn't know the Lord and we're like, be saved, be healed. What if we were got angry enough to heal him? What if we got angry enough to fight with God's words instead of with Satan's words, you know? But I, I don't think there's a way to, this was wrong. What Elisha did was wrong. The children weren't hurting him. He was angry, and to me, I don't see this as a demonstration of, oh, look at how powerful they were. Of course they were powerful. That the, I see this as a warning. I see two men who had this amazing anointing on them, who had the power and the wisdom and the insight to be I mean, 450 prophets. When Ahab and his wife were killing, you know, the father of the current king, Ahaziah, when they were killing prophets off left and right, he was able to stay alive. He was able in broad daylight to call down fire from heaven the right way, you know, <laughs> to call down fire from heaven for the sacrifice on Mount Carmel. And I think he tasted it and knew he could do it. And he was annoyed. He was annoyed with Ahaziah. He didn't want to go see him. He didn't think that Ahaziah deserved to have him there. He was upset that they, people, I mean, he might have been upset for good reason. The kings kept ruining their country and forsaking God and causing a lot of damage. Was he wrong to be upset? No. Was, Ahaziah, was Elisha wrong to be annoyed or mourning? No, but they misused the power they had for whatever reason and I see it as a warning. My husband was, I was reading this to my husband last night. He's like, why would God do that? And I'm thinking, why would God allow people to be strong enough to overpower and beat and rape and pillage? Why would those, why would those people be allowed to keep their strength? You know, why would God allow people to stay rich when through their riches they're oppressing the poor or funding ungodly things? Why would God allow people to have such intellect that they're using it to destroy others? Or to promote wrong thinking? Why would God let a Christian who claims him use power and authority not just to heal, but to tear down? Why would God allow that? It's part of relationship. That's the only answer I have. We have a relationship. If, if we if we don't have choice, we don't have relationship. If we don't have choice, we're robots. 
So God in his infinite wisdom allows us a little bit of rope. He can pull us back in anytime he wants, you know. He steps in anytime that he deems necessary. There are times that I really wish God would step in and God doesn't. There are times that I wish God would leave me alone and God doesn't. But God knows better than I am. And this is just part of those things I think we do have an anointing on us. We do have power. Um, anyone who doesn't, everybody has some sort of power. You have words, so you have power. You have relationships with others over you have, whom you have influence. You have power. If you have any kind of material resources, if you have a dollar bill in your pocket, or even a little bit of money in the bank, you have power. And we mourn, yes. And we will, yes. And we get angry, yes. But we have to be careful that that power that God has given us does not hurt. We don't use that to hurt people whom God loves, who are not meant to be hurt. I really believe that Elijah took her, his anger at Ahaziah out on 102 soldiers who worked for Ahaziah. I believe that Elisha took his mourning and frustration over feeling like he was left by Elijah, even though we know when people die or when people move on, we still feel abandoned sometimes, even if that's what they were supposed to do. I think he took it out on the little kids. I do that. I know I do that. I've never called down fire from heaven. I've never mauled somebody or called a bear to maul them. I've never done that. But I've been mad at one thing and just been so overcritical to my husband. And that brings a death. I've been mad at something that's happening and said something to someone else in a way that demeaned a person's name or honor. And not in a healthy way, not in a I'm working through this way, but in a way that promotes bad feelings towards that person, towards that leader. Um, I misuse my power. Often in misunderstanding, often in mourning, often in not understanding my own pain. I think we all have. And the Lord, there's grace. He still keeps giving us that authority. He still keeps giving us that grace, you know. You know, part of grace, I talk about the daily adventure of grace. Part of grace is finding God's gift. Every day, the, the joy of the journey, the power beyond measure. And I, th I would also say, I think maybe Elijah didn't understand how much power he'd been given. If he had, he would have been more careful with it. Sometimes we don't realize the power of our words or the power of our resources or the power of our influence. I don't think we'd misuse it as much if we knew how powerful it was and how much damage we could do, how much blessing we could do with it. So that's my challenge for today, for you and for me. May we discover the power, not, in, not of us, but in us through God. And may we determine to use it as a blessing and not a curse. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's some weird stuff in this book you have. <laughs> and thank you for letting us wrestle with it, Lord Jesus. I know we don't always get it right, but I know that 
you'll meet us where we're at when we're seeking after you, Lord. And this, these difficult passages about what seems like needless death, Lord. May we just take a lesson. May we not take your power for granted. May we not use it for, for bad. Forgive us for when we do, Lord Jesus. Lord, just open our eyes to the things that you have done in and through us. Give us a deep yearning to honor you through the way that we use them. Your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends. Amen.